0: Back to the transfer portal, CFB presented by No Contact CFB. We're in that weird part of the season where conference championship games are in the books. A bunch of teams don't have any football left to play. And then there's a bunch of bowl games that we're waiting for. Unless you're Army or Navy. Unless you play FCS football and you're still in the playoffs. Unless... D2, D3, but we're actually not talking about that today at all. I'm sorry to those out there that want us to talk about Mount Union and, and North Central. We ain't doing that. The transfer portal's here. That's big. The coaching carousel it is wild. I mean, there are poaches left and right. Stuff is going down, Mr. Dillon.
1: Yeah, the coaching carousel has been hard to follow, it feels like, just because there's so many reports and then things change, like everything with Deion Sanders and his staff and who's getting retained, who's not, who's going after what offensive coordinator and and whatnot. So that has been a little hard to follow. It just seems like every season the coaching carousel gets a little bit different. There's different elements to it, different uh, you know, um, moments where we have to be like, okay, this is something we have to get used to. Um, and I think Deion Sanders to Colorado and everything that's gone along with that is definitely novel.
0: I mean, Deion, Deion he's saying the right things. He, he said, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of guys tweet out, I, I'm blessed to receive an offer from the University of Colorado and then the tag prime and and whatever. And Deion's like, I've seen too much of that. Why am I not seeing more of, I'm committed to I'm blessed to commit to Dion in Colorado because that's gonna happen ASAP, Dion Center, because these spots are gonna fill up super quick and you're you're gonna be left off the ride. Like these lines at Colorado larger than the one at Space Mountain, man.
1: I've never ever heard of a coach. And of course, this is another thing I was talking about with with the new stuff with the coaching carousel and the transfer portal, but I've never ever heard a coach. Say, hey, you better uh if you want to hit the portal, you better hit it quickly because uh your spot's <laughs> running out. Like I've never heard a coach say that. I'm not necessarily saying he was wrong for saying it, but if you're if you're like a bench writer on Colorado right now, and first of all, thoughts and prayers here right now, but I'm like, can you just imagine what's, what's going on? You know, you had the coaching change mid season last year, worst team in the power five. And then now you've got Deion Sanders and you've got all these guys that are probably going to take your spot. Like what a crazy last two weeks. It's been in Boulder.
0: There's been more cameras in Colorado's facilities in the last 24 hours. We'll say than there has been the entire season. Like <laughs> good part, Bruin. Um, I don't know you're talking about like bench warmers at Colorado I can't get out of my head that one kid on Colorado that that jeering Dion Dion's talking to the team about like yeah no more hats in here I don't, I don't like the same thing he did at Jackson like you can't wear hats if you're on this team and all that blah 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 stuff and then there's just this kid in the background and he slowly like takes off his hat and like crouches it's like hey man you might want to hit the portal. If <laughs> you keep the hat on, you might be better off somewhere else. Ball State's got a few good
1: spots open. It feels like Deion Sanders is like a middle school coach because I remember when I was in, in middle school, you, you weren't allowed to wear a hat indoors. That was the that was like the first time I've heard, hey, you can't wear a hat or whatever. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Right, Gotta respect prime time. Too. I'm sorry. You're wearing a hat too, technically.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I won't take that. I'll put the hat back on. Support your blazers. <laughs>
1: Oh man. Know, man, Dion and Boulder. We're going to talk more about it this week. We've got a, an awesome guest tomorrow that will pop up, I guess, tomorrow. If you're watching this after it releases Thursday of this week, you'll get to learn mm-hmm. a little bit more about that process. Um, but man, the, the coaching Good staff problem. is going to be the coaching staff in Boulder is going to look really, really different. I, I have a feeling we're going to see something like an Arizona type turnaround where they're probably not going to be, you know, not as drastic as I would have guessed, because I thought Arizona would have been a team to sneak into a bowl game, but they're gonna gain people's respect and they're gonna probably pull up pull off an upset or two uh, in the power five.
0: I think that's the easy way to say it, but I, I wanna go further than the easy way. Like I want to take the hard way. Like with the amount of talent that Dion's gonna be able to take in, like impact talent right off the bat, and I'll knowing that he's got Mike Zimmer there as DC and he's bringing in Sean Lewis as the OC and Shador the shredder is their quarterback. And we know they're going to get some dogs at receiver. Like six wins, I think is super doable. I don't care about that Colorado brand anymore and how bad they were last year. It's a whole nother era. Like that branding doesn't matter anymore. This is all prime time showtime stuff. Six wins, seven wins could easily happen. And then Dion's looking at a nice new spot and t- 2024 truth be told that's what's gonna happen but i think sean lewis is their oc could be one of the most underrated pickups of the entire cycle that's an excellent
1: hire yeah pushing a a head coach uh to be an offensive coordinator is ballsy for you know being in your first couple of days as a head coach at colorado but you it's wouldn't really expect beef. anything less yeah, you wouldn't expect anything less from, from prime time. But it's a fantastic hire. I'm happy for Sean Lewis. And you're kind of seeing the, the repercussions of it at Kent State as all their mm-hmm. offensive players, you know, whether it be the trenches, the playmakers, Colin Schley, the quarterback, all hitting the portal. So Kent State's going to look quite different next year, for sure, in the MAC. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about with Colorado and their impact in the Pac-12, how much pressure does this put on Stanford to get that hire right because look at all the other programs that are, you know, doing the right thing in the Pac-12. Hell, even Arizona State with Kenny Dillingham—that's a phenomenal hire on paper. Mm-hmm. You got Lincoln Absolutely. Riley at USC. UCLA is going to keep doing their thing with Chip Kelly. Might get some transfer guys, some, you know, really good recruiting classes. Oregon with Dan Lanning. UW dub with Kalen DeBoer. It's just, it just—it goes on and on. And Stanford needs, if they want to be relevant in the Pac-12 again, they have to nail this hire.
0: I, I look at a guy and I see pedigree. I see a lot of success. I look at David Shaw as a potential guy. The Stanford <laughs> show. I don't know who they could go. Like, I like the thought of Chris Peterson. And I also look at Saks like, yo, Coach Taylor, like, why not? You were, I revitalized that program out of nowhere. Why not try it at Stanford? I don't know. That could be a, a, a odd fit, though. But I don't, I don't know. I still want to go back to the Sean Lewis thing real quick and just say the like this is one of those rare circumstances where I think it's a win for every single party involved. And I think that's such a, a strange thing. It's like a ultra rare thing where I think Kent state is better off that Sean Lewis takes this job now and departs. I know it's hurting them so much in the portal and that's unfortunate. I That hurts a lot. I get it. But I think Sean Lewis already had a foot out the door and was looking for his next plan and let's, so obviously, he was, but let's say he stayed on staff as their head coach. You're looking at him already kind of thinking, like, I'm out of here after his 2023 season. Anyway, like, where is the effort going to be there in the recruiting game? Is the effort going to be there in the portal this season? I don't know. So I like Kent State being able to basically start over a year ahead of when they actually should have been. And I like this Sean Lewis hire a lot. If you don't know about the Sean Lewis offense, it's hyper-tempo. Oh, this is fast stuff where Golden Flash's football was flash fast. I don't know what the the nickname is gonna be for Colorado Buffalo's offense is super fast. But my goodness, I can't wait to see what what Lewis and Dion are going to be able to cook up when they're bringing in all these high caliber athletes that are going to play in this offense that wants to run plays every like five seconds it seems, and they want to score forty and fifty every game. and And now you are getting all these like stud athletes, and they're going to rotate in. Now no one's ever going to be tired. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna thrive offensively. I think his scheme is a perfect fit.
1: Yeah, and it's only going to attract playmakers through the portal and through the recruiting, um, on the recruiting trail. I think people want to play for, obviously, Dion had the offense humming um, at Colorado with that staff and with Shadur, obviously, Um, one of the best running offenses as well. So I expect this to be a very balanced offense as well. Going back to Kent State, Marquez Cooper was a guy that, you know, had 1,000 yards. Devontae Walker as a receiver almost had 1,000 yards this year. Cephas did it last year. Um, th- there's a couple other things that I really like with this hire, and one of them is that Sean Lewis has experience turning around a program. Because when he came in in 20, I believe he was 18. Kent State was two and 10. It was a really bad team, and then next year mm-hmm. they went seven and six, won the Frisco Bowl. A couple years later, they're in the MAC Championship. This year, obviously, they had a disappointing year in the MAC, but the MAC had a lot of really good teams, a lot of surprise teams as well. They're and Kent State obviously had. Injuries. Exactly. And Kent State had extremely brutal, as probably as tough as anybody had a non-conference schedule to start off in with in the history of called
0: sports.
1: That was a ugly one. No, I don't think any group of five team would have uh escaped that without at least one loss. Um <laughs> for I mean the other I'm, thing sure, though, I'm sure, Yeah. But but Kent State, you know, they they've got a really good guy. And and Lewis, you know, all those years ago, because the Kent State program was in a really tough spot. But the th- the other thing that's nice about Lewis is he's got a lot of experience for a guy who's only thirty six years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the the offensive coordinator at Syracuse, so he's got that Power Five experience, which kind of seems to be a requisite um, for a lot of these coaching positions. A lot of people want that Power Five experience if you're a coordinator or head coach, and he's got it. Um, I, I think he's a, a really really good hire, and I expect Colorado to get. You know, like I said, with Arizona, they got a ton of playmakers in the portal last year. USC did the same thing. I think we could see, you know, that type of uh, attraction to this Colorado team, uh, in offensive scheme that we're expecting to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Like if I'm Dorian Singer, I'm heading there right now. I would have already committed on the spot. The second I got that offer, I would have done it. But, you know, kind of shifting focus here. So we're not only talking about Dion and Sean Lewis. There were some other interesting moves in these last last few days like scott satterfield dude i i think louisville comes away with the w there
1: no kidding i mean i know satterfield had a lot of success at app state like i i i feel like that's kind of getting swept under the rug because of you know the college football is a very what have you done for me lately sort Mm -hmm. of thing and he was on the hot seat for a lot of that louisville tenure in the last couple years and for him to somehow get, and I would argue, a better job as Cincinnati it's goes into the Big job. 12, it is a better job. It's just baffling to me. And for Louisville, yeah, I think it's a win, too. And look at all of the players that have been throwing Satterfield under the bus to on no social surprise. media. They're absolutely destroying them on social media, former players, current players. It, it doesn't really give me a great feeling for Cincinnati heading into the Big 12. I know they're still going to attract talent. I know they're probably still going to get a couple transfers. Some guys might still return. They're probably still going to be a good team in the Big 12. Ciderfield mm-hmm. would not have been my choice. Uh, I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a settle. I still think there's potential because we know what he yes. did at Upstate. And there were times that Louisville was like, okay, maybe he's not a bad coach, but it just was never consistently there at the power five level. And in a conference like the big 12, I think some of those issues that he had at Louisville with the inconsistencies, obviously they had injuries last year or this year, technically, it feels like we're in a new season already.
0: Yeah, we are. Um, We are.
1: And it just, it feels like those issues that he had at Louisville and the ACC are going to be amplified in the big 12 with Cincinnati. Like if you can't put up points as for a Cincinnati team that hasn't had necessarily an electric offense over the years, um, they're, they're really going to struggle. It doesn't matter how good your defense is, in my opinion. If you're not putting up points with, you know, the Texas, the Kansas State, TCUs, you're going to struggle.
0: Yeah, I mean, what 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 have we said so long about Saffron for like two three years now at Louisville? That playbook doesn't fit. Like, okay, it fits on a napkin, but like eighty percent of the napkin is still blank. That playbook is so slim. I don't know. I I guess I hate that hire. Uh, the thing that I I've, I've been saying about this coaching carousel is there's not many teams swinging for the fences. There's a lot of teams trying to bunt for a hit. <laughs> Why? Is one of them. I, yeah, I think Scott Satterfield is like you're trying to just lean in with two strikes and take a hit by pitch, and that ump's gonna ring you up for strike three. Like I think I just think that's a ridiculously bad hire. Uh Alex Golish was on the board. If you actually want a bright young innovative offensive mind you should have called up the russian ginger because that dude's got a bright future and that guy from from russia is just gonna have to do his thing in south florida which is a tough tough job uh i think it's a great hire for south florida i don't know if it's gonna pan out because it's very tough place to win especially in this current like state of the the florida programs right it's gonna be tough hill to climb but Man, there's just, I don't know, like UNLV today with Odom was kind of a, really took me by surprise. I thought, I don't know, Tulsa's hire of Wilson was also just like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I even call that. Like, you're up at bat like three times. The other team's got a perfect game going, and you didn't swing your bat once.
1: Yeah, I mean, going back to the Gullish South Florida one, I think that job becomes even tougher because of everybody that's coming into the American next year. Like I know South Florida wasn't, it's they're not that far from, you know, where they were a couple of years ago with Charlie Strong and, and Taggart in those last couple of years in like 2017, 18. But it feels like it's been a long time since they've been competent, decent, watchable. Like yeah. this South Florida team has a long way flowers. to go. Yeah, and obviously, you know, UCF, Cincinnati Houston they're out the door but there's a lot of people coming in as well so I i don't know man in Florida South Florida is not going to win in the state of Florida on the recruiting trail I know Gilesh did a great job with Tennessee on the recruiting trail but you know South Florida they have a lot of programs to beat like you said um you know in the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so I don't know. I like the hire for, for South Florida, not so much for Goish. That's is my I takeaway on that. Yeah, yeah that's I exactly think he, where I am. Yeah, I think that might have been kind of just, hey, I got an offer here. Um, you know, I don't know how many more I'm going to get. Let's take it sort of. That's what my feel was. And I think he would have gotten plenty more looks. And who's to say he didn't get more looks? I don't know. I wasn't, you know, I don't have access to his phone records. But I oh, just think it was on. a settle for him.
0: I'm not yeah, that kind of I, a journalist. I, I, like, I completely agree. And I think what the cycle has shown me is I'm a, a lot higher on some of these coaches than other programs seem to be. And I'm a whole lot lower on certain <laughs> ones than these programs seem to be. And it's much like the Will Levis debacle. We just ain't on the same page. I don't know what's going on. I, I Like Golish. Man, I don't know. Uh, I, I hopefully he's able to to do well enough at South Florida where he's able to use it as a stepping stone and get a better offer somewhere else. Like GJ Kinney too was was Texas State the move for him? Like I thought Tulsa, Tulsa was a shoe in. Yeah, I thought that was hundred percent guarantee. That's a perfect spot. These Tulsa kids probably ain't transferring if he's there. Like I know Braylon Braxton. He's back. That that's a plus for Mister Mister Wilson. But like, what can he's gonna be able to do? is Texas State really entices me because again, we were talking on our group chat. And like, I think that's a complete stepping stone. Like, I don't see him there in twenty twenty five. I think his good as gone after twenty three or twenty four. Well, the Sun Belt is another again, like the um, you know, like the
1: American. That's an improving conference, and it's gonna keep getting better. And Texas State, I think. It's gonna take a lot for them to get out of the out of the cellar of the Sun Belt. Cause when was the last time Texas State was was relevant? Like 15 years ago, something like that? The my NCAA ago? 14 dynasty. Oh, there you go. Yes, I mean, like there's obviously potential to compete in the Sun Belt because it's one of those conferences you just don't really know. The state of Texas, you know, you can pull some guys. Um, but Kenny, I think, is a very good candidate to lead them out of the dweller. Hope uh so. As I, as I uh, like to say, I, I the rise that Kenny made in the last couple of years is so admirable because he was playing – he was a Saskatchewan Rough Roughrider, what was it, six years ago? I think it was 2016. He was still in the CFL, and he was at GASMU in 2017. That was his first coaching job, and now he's a, a FBS head coach just a few years later. So, you know, really impressive stuff for him. I know one thing that I'll, I've seen people talk about with Kenny is – is his success a result of what Eric Morris did at Incarnate Word um, last season? And I don't know if I'd really say that because there were still a lot of new pieces on that Incarnate Word team. Um, and so, I mean, you still have to credit Eric Morris for what he did, but mm-hmm. I think Kenny did a phenomenal job in his year with Incarnate Word and is still doing a great job, as we'll get into later in the show, because they're still in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I maybe the most... Relevant, this could be the most relevant Texas State has been since like Friday Night Lights basically used Texas State as a knockoff in their show. Uh, so yeah, I suppose that. Um, Georgia Tech again, another team I felt like maybe they went up to bat with the they went up to bat in the wrong batter's box. Maybe they're righty and went into the left handed batter's box. I, I think he's like a fine hire and you know, all, but it's like when you're hiring someone because. You beat UNC and you got more competitive juice out of your team when he was the interim head coach. It's like, go to like program A, B, C, D, E, uh, blah, 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 blah. all every time that there's an interim HC, like you seem to get more competitiveness and juice out of your team. Like, that's just a common trend. It might be more worrisome if that doesn't happen. I just feel like you were so close at the finish line there to get Willie Fritz. What happened? Like uh, that—that would have been a, a, a really solid hire, and I feel like if you weren't getting Fritz, Jamie Chadwell, like I thought that was a, a perfect marriage. Yeah, Trent
1: Dofer. Oh could
0: boy. It?
1: <laughs> no, I know. I I I just think I kind of disagree with the Brent Key thing because I I do know that there is kind of the the trope of interim head coaches, um, and players want to play for them, and also he's an alum. But we're yeah. talking about Georgia Tech here, and the fact that they went four and four with the games that they did on the road against Pitt. They played North Carolina, like they had, and they played competent for about two and a half yeah. quarters against Georgia too. It just it looked like a Georgia Tech kind of team that we have not seen for a long time. And he understands the program, understands the conference, he understands the guys on that team. Uh, I think that's it. Might be a settled Fair. with some people. But I, I truly think that that's a good, you know, a really good hire for them. I wouldn't have expected Georgia Tech to probably make a really splashy hire. Like for, I know it's an ACC program in Atlanta, in a hot spot of talent. It just it didn't feel like a Georgia Tech thing to do to make a a splashy They're hire. so
0: old school.
1: Yeah, so I feel like this is kind of a safe one, On brand, but a, yeah. a good one. I think it's going to take time for Georgia Tech to be a bowl team again. Maybe I'm wrong um but if they're if they're able to do some work in the transfer portal um then i think this could be a a competitive team again next year
0: yeah like i I think it's a fine hire i i i just think that they could have done better and i mean that's okay i think a lot of teams could have done better (laughs) that that seems to be a trend here nobody really could have done better than asu though in their state of affairs dillingham's playing in work like that you you were talking about earlier how much um just movement there is in this carousel, right? I completely missed that. Like 11 hours ago, ASU had a phenomenal hire in Rashad samples. He's going to be their wider receiver coach and passing game coordinator. One of the best recruiters in the country.
1: Yeah. And Dillingham going, going to him. I mean, he's 32 years old. Um, I, I think people needed to, to talk about that because his rise is another one that I think is really impressive. He has mm-hmm. a lot of great experience already, um, and he's an Arizona guy. If you watch that press conference with him, you know he cares about that program, about that state, um, about that university. And I think he was a perfect fit. I, I don't think there's any more programs. Better. I don't know how many programs I can say have made a perfect fit with their head coaching hire.
0: Like, that's I, a I, I, re- I really
1: don't. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, yes, he's 32 years old. Yes, he's never been a head coach before. But... I mean, the recruiting speaks for itself. And I think Arizona State has been losing when it shouldn't be losing. Because a lot of people, when you look at Arizona State, you say Arizona has a phenomenal array of high school talent. They're really, really good high schools. They're very, you know, they rank very highly. They bring a lot of offensive talent out of Arizona. And Arizona State has just not been very good on the on the recruiting trail and kenny dillingham he was able to do it at oregon was able to do it at florida state auburn memphis like this guy is a recruiter this guy is a people like he's a player guy he put he wants to win for his guys wants to win for the coaches in that building and Mm -hmm. you know he's just energetic and i think he fits everything that arizona state used to be back in their heyday
0: yeah and it's like again, in their current state of affairs for them to, it was going to be hard for them to pull off, like, a really good hire. So, dude, gang killing him. This is perfect. You get someone that, really, like, he, he's completely aware of the NCAA investigation and everything and the punishments. He's like, okay, we'll brave the storm. Once that once that's through, watch out, because is going to shoot up, and it's showing, but these hires that he's making are incredible. They're going to recruit so well when these even maybe even when these sanctions are there they're gonna recruit very well. Dillingham phenomenal hire. Um I guess before we um leave the coaching carousel talk, I don't know. We could figure out something like I feel like our favorite hires already been said though, is the issue. So the least favorite hire most underwhelming maybe. Or like uh, the- one that you expect to crash and burn that others aren't expecting. Postal Carolina
1: with Tim Peck was a awful move. It was an absolutely dreadful move. Yeah, and here's here's the reason that I think that they I think they were a team that should have made a splashy move because look at where they're probably going to be. They're, they might lose a lot of talent. Josiah Stewart already entered the portal. Grayson McCall might go to the draft. There's they still have some young talent. Know, Jared Brown be. is going to be a phenomenal guy in the years to come if he doesn't enter the portal hopefully um but this program is on the rise it's going to keep being on the rise this is a phenomenal program it's... with a lot of talent and they should have made a big hire to get people's attention tim beck the nc state offensive coordinator Spore. does not move the needle <laughs> at all it doesn't you it doesn't fit the program through. you
0: got poked with the needle and just slept through it because
1: <laughs> like what what does he have to show for being an offensive coordinator in the Power Five? He was at NC State for what three years, something like that. They've never had a very uh, highly always underwhelming. Yeah, never had a highly regarded offense, even with the talent that they've had. They've had moments where like, hey, this is a this could be a really good offense, but that's always where it's been at NC State. Is I'm it could be sort of
0: dreadful this year?
1: It was the same thing at Texas when he was there. It, it just, I don't know, man. And so I know Texas had a lot of issues. Uh, when he was the OC there But um, I don't know He's never done anything to be a head coach To me not yet yeah. anyway
0: um, Where would you have, um, What hire would you have made then
1: uh, I mean Who's to say they didn't throw the bag at Chadwell Because I, I really don't know if you could yeah. got, could Have gotten much better than Jamie Chadwell I can't but, believe he left Yeah The Liberty one that, that's another one I mean good for Liberty I don't think it's great for Chadwell
0: no, um, it's such an odd move. I I like trying to think of who Coastal could have, like made a splashy hire with. There's one name I can't get out of my head, and it's Cadillac Williams. Yeah, <laughs> like I think that was all. I like he'd have to leave his beloved Auburn Tigers and everything. But dude, the young Cadillac Williams getting a head coaching job after what he did as an interim head coach, and yeah, the trope and everything. Blah, 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 blah. Would have been really fun as Coastal's HC uh, to try and keep them afloat, and I feel like, I feel like, yeah, Josiah Stark good is gone because he's going to get Power Five offers, after Power Five offers, after Power Five offers, and he's got to put himself in the best spot possible to go in that you know late first round or or round two draft pick because he's capable of that, right? but Cadillac, I feel like, would have been able to get so many of these kids back and recruit well and would have been a fun start for him in his journey uh, as a head coach. I I mean, that's like where I'm at for a splashy hire. I think they could have done that. You, you, I t- take that over Tim Beck, what, uh, every single hour of the day? Yeah, I mean, Dolish, I think if he would have
1: asked me, at the beginning of the coaching carousel uh, cycle, I would have said Gullish would have been my favorite for Coastal. I think that would have been a phenomenal fit. Um, yeah, you know he has experience with explosive offenses because that's that's really what Coastal should have focused on was an offensive-minded head coach. And I guess that's the one part they got right, but like it's Izzy so, though, because they didn't so, really they didn't so improve. Weird.
0: It's so know, weird man. that the team that had that has gone through this just up and up the skyrocket these last few years and it's been done with what chadwell's unique offensive scheme this triple option concept something so rare in the game and it's like this has been beautiful football and they've had really good players but oh my goodness just dive into the offense watch a little and you're mesmerized at what they're doing and it's like they're gonna be Boring,
1: yeah. I mean, a Troy Taylor maybe for um, coast to coast too. Yeah, coast to coastal. (laughs) But I think I think Taylor's deserving of getting a job like that. I know he's deserving. I know you probably mentioned he was a power five guy. Stanford, maybe. I think Stanford. Yeah, I think that's definitely a splash. I don't think a lot of people on the national scale would probably raise their eyebrows at that because i know a lot of national people aren't paying attention to what sack state's doing out there um definitely not saying it's a bad hire um i don't think think he would have gotten in the door with garrett riley i
0: really don't think that would have been uh possible um just funny because i think goal like i've complimented Riley a lot all season i still think golish is way better well if golish if settled for south florida i feel
1: like if if Coastal would have called him, I feel like that should have been a no-brainer.
0: Yeah. I just but, I wonder what offers Riley's gonna get. Oh, it's like no I, I I don't think he should have won the like I thought that was Golish's award to win as the top assistant. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what some of these voters I'm watching or the blah blah blahs. I don't get it. To me, I
1: I don't have an easy time putting one over the other because they were both special i i will say i would give the slight edge to riley just because i feel like nobody was giving tcu a chance to have the offensive season that they did of course you and i we both knew that they had talent galore but i feel like tcu was not expected to be any well regardless of college football playoff but like a contender in the big 12 goalish to me was already kind of getting that hype and tennessee had a lot of hype speaking from experience, I hyped him up a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fully aware that Golesh was probably gonna get power five offers after this season. And the fact that he settled for South Florida, and who's the I don't know if he settled. I don't know, you know, I really don't know if if nobody called him. Um, but South Florida to me, I feel like it's like one he's one of those coaches that well, wants man. to help rebuild uh, a program. That's the enticing thing. You know, that's why some people committed to like Kansas a few years ago um, is like, we want to help rebuild it and and be a part of the change. And maybe that was the pitch. Whereas you don't want to take over for, you know, a program that is just a couple pieces away or something like that. South Florida is yeah. more than a couple pieces away. And I feel like Riley, Riley shouldn't do what Golesh did. He should take a power five job, that's open and needs an offensive-minded guy to, you know, help right the ship. Yep. Like Stanford. Oh. Garrett Riley at Stanford? Are you kidding me? He wouldn't do hey, it. Stanford hey, wouldn't do it.
0: Spencer Sanders at Stanford? People are starting to talk. Oh,
1: the man. Big 12 movement to Stanford?
0: We'll, we'll talk some transfer stuff now. This is going to be messy. So, so stay... Stay afloat with us. Let's just talk some transfers. I don't know. I already threw out Spencer Sanders. Thing. Oh, we should have came prepared with that. We should have done like a game <laughs> where I bring like five transfers to the table and you have to predict where they're going. I don't know. And then you do the same thing for me. We should have had that prepared. That's on me.
1: Yeah, we to, to all those listening out there, we didn't prepare. This is completely for the vibes. This is completely just off the nog sort of stuff. So, I mean, I've been locked in on the transfer portal for the last couple of days. I have not gotten a lot of sleep because I've just been, you know, locked in on everybody that's coming in and out. And the one player that, and we talked about him earlier in the show, one player that really surprised me, uh, kind of two, but one mostly was Dorian Singer uh, leaving Arizona and then Jacob Cowing returning to Arizona. Because I thought Jacob Cowing, we talked about a little bit last night when we were talking. we thought cowling was as good as gone. We thought he was going to get that one year at the power five level Pac 12 level, pick. you know, put up a thousand yards and just and dip and get his bag because he's an NFL receiver. Now. I think, um, I really hope that this move doesn't hurt his NFL draft stock. Um, cause we've seen it all too often where guys could easily get drafted and then come back for another year, hurt their stock. I really hope that doesn't happen. But for singer, I mean, His freshman year, I saw the promise, but Arizona's quarterback situation and offensive situation was gross. They had like four different quarterbacks and none of them were good. And those receivers just were in an awful situation. And then this year he comes back, leads that team in receiving yards, which is nuts given the talent that they had. Um, And he just looked like a complete receiver. And the fact that he's already getting so many Power 5 offers, Colorado included, um, is just evident to the people that are taking notice of how good this kid was this year. And even the year before he was a playmaker in 21, Um, just nobody cared because Arizona was terrible. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and Dorian singer to me is going to be one of the most fascinating names. So I think he's an instant plug and play guy, no matter where you put him, good size at six, one great hands after, um, after contact, after the catch, like this kid can do it all. And I think he's, in my opinion, like a top three receiver in the portal right now. So that's one guy I'm going to be locked in on for sure.
0: Dude, giving like a top three receiver's names in the portal is probably the most difficult question I've been asked since like seventh grade math tests. Like that ain't easy. You have Cephas in there who's getting offers from Georgia. You're getting Tyrese Chambers is in there. Grant DuBose, Corey Krooms, like – Dorian Singer, like Dante Thornton, Dante Thornton. There's nine hundred other names that I we could talk about. That's so difficult. There's so many dogs. Yeah, man. Ollie Jennings
1: is another Ollie one we gotta there's unreal. there's so many. Yeah, Debose is another one that's really enticing to me because we've talked about Debose a lot. Throughout the year and probably last year too. And if that guy had a competent offensive system to work behind, like if you throw him in Colorado, boom, sky's the limit for that guy. Like he has an NFL uh, recipe right there is to the head to Colorado and play for probably Shadura Sanders. I don't know. Dion seems to think he's going there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dion seemed to uh, say in his first presser. And point to Shador and say, this is your quarterback. Shador, uh, RA seen in Colorado hats and everything, but hey, man, make the move official. Like, what are we doing? Are, are you planning visits to, I don't know, the cordon blue, UCLA, SC, uh, Arizona State, Kansas State? What's going on? Oklahoma State? Shador, commit to Colorado. Your, your father said it himself. Stop saying I'm blessed to receive this offer. You better commit right now before before your dad fills up the quarterback spot and and now the conversation's at dinner again real awkward.
1: Oh geez, can I uh can I make a bold prediction that passed through my head uh, yeah. yesterday? So
0: you have going one bold to prediction left on the season.
1: Okay, I have a feeling, and this is just a feeling, and I've been high on Kansas all season long. I feel like one of Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean is going to transfer and be a Heisman candidate where they go next year. That's how <laughs> oh I feel. Gosh. That's Heisman how I
0: feel. Heisman candidate where, though? I don't know. Jason Bean, Oregon State quarterback, is not going Heisman candidate, and we've named that one a good bit.
1: No, I know. It's just we're, we're basically throwing any quarterback's name at Oregon State just because that's it's literally all exercise. they need, in my opinion. That defense is solid enough. The playmakers are solid enough. The coaching is there. Which, when was the last time I said Oregon State? The coaching is there for Oregon State. It just hasn't been that way for a long time. And they're, in my opinion, they're just a quarterback away from being a Pac-12 title contender. Right. And But so, for me, I've, I've enjoyed watching Kansas, even when they were terrible. I absolutely, I've been a Kansas sympathizer for 10, 11 years, and I've never seen... Um, You know, like a quarterback like Jalen Daniels was getting Heisman talk in what week four, week five, and then went down. And Jason Bean stepped up. And I feel like nobody was talking about Kansas Bean. or Jason Bean anymore.
0: The mainstream string Bean. But he was doing some work. Um, And it's stuff we hadn't seen from him in his entire career. The way that he was able to just throw, like, we hadn't seen that from him. His success yeah. was all built off his running. Yeah, and he was letting
1: loose. That was the biggest thing for me with Bean was it felt like before – he was anticipating um, not anticipating what's the word I'm looking for he was pushing a little too hard was kind of what I thought in his first couple years at Kansas he was trying to make the perfect throw all the time He was trying to make the big throw all the time and he was more accurate this year so he made some of those throws that he was trying last year but he just was a better decision maker more sound more poised and that's why I kind of feel like you know, he could he could lead a power five program and be a really explosive player. And Jalen Daniels, I have all the hype in the world for Jalen yeah. Daniels. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the country. My chair is wrong.
0: Hang on a minute. You, uh, you struck an idea when you're talking about Oregon State as a quarterback away. So you tell me, can Oregon State make the Pac-12 championship with the man who demanded the house from them, JT Daniels, <laughs> Oregon State quarterback?
1: Um, I don't think he's the quarterback. Away, okay,
0: Zach Calzada.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I like Calzada, but no, I don't think so.
0: Mm. Um, Mike Wright, possibly. I possibly like Mike Wright a lot. For the Teletubby fanatic. I <laughs> I did not know he was a a Teletubby fanatic. He That's he he did a TikTok where he went to class on Halloween a Vandy dressed up as the Red towel dubby and he was all sad because no one else on campus dressed up.
1: Sean. Dude, we need to bring him on for an interview just to talk about that. Um no, I I like Mike Wright a lot. And I know a lot of people's um eyes will go to his numbers and Vandy did not have a ton of offensive talent to work with. Um I like Will Shepard, I like Ray Davis, but I feel like aside from that they didn't have <laughs> a lot and obviously he battled injuries uh as yeah. well and of course it's vandy um but i think mike wright is another guy who could really take a huge step up um and Same. be a really really good quarterback next year
0: oh nice Bruin! yeah Bruin agrees 100 Bruin knows ball yeah uh dude got keep the game going brian armstrong
1: i don't know how to feel about armstrong because when you enter the portal i'm like good for him but, like, wherever he goes – and Oklahoma State is one I, th- I feel like could make a run at Brandon Armstrong now that Sanders is gone. Wow, the wrong OSU? You played the game wrong, man. No, I know. I I, I don't know about Armstrong because he's just – he had such an incredible year in 21. Yeah. And such a bad year in 22. And it's not all his fault and it's not all his credit for 21 either. Um But I think there's still some juice left in Brennan Armstrong. And I think there's a lot of talent at Oklahoma State, specifically receiving talent. I feel like he could be back to 2021 uh, Brennan Armstrong at Oklahoma State.
0: All right, I'll give you one more, and then you could throw some names my way if you want. Um, We're going with Oregon State quarterback Connor Bazelak.
1: I can't believe you didn't say DJU. I was waiting for that so he's, he's
0: everyone dude
1: every i know every oregon state fan wants dju um apparently which is down bad beavers
0: that's tough he would stabilize the quarterback position don't you know that yeah i know but dju in a in a qb sneak system as prolific as chip kelly is scary to think about he's going to be a generational qb sneaker
1: oregon state does quarterback sneaks too with jack Yeah, Collette. but they don't, but they they don't do. draw
0: him up like chip
1: that'd be that'd be true um, Bazelak is another guy that I think is, is probably a, a new surrounding away, but he doesn't feel to me like a guy that would succeed in the Pac 12. Like, he still kind of feels like a Big 10 guy to me, where they don't need a you know,
0: a game star role, everything.
1: Yeah, like a, a, he's more of a game manager to me. Um, I it's think he's fine
0: a for Oregon State, but if you're really looking for a game changer, then. Ain't you know that you're saying? Uh throw some names my way.
1: Um, I mean DJU, let's start with him. Let's get oh, some he's clicks. a
0: he's a brewing is the issue.
1: <laughs> but like who how would you know that you know Oregon State wouldn't make a run after him? Because if he's got really good experience, he he knows power five. He's still a capable if, quarterback. I still believe
0: that. Is is he a piece that Oregon State I know, don't think potentially believe in? I don't think the marriage at Oregon State would work well with DJU. I think that there's a few certain spots where he could truly revitalize his career and he needs to go to the place that will best help develop him and get back on his feet because we know Clemson wasn't that. Like, I, it could be like delusion. Or anything, but I feel like Chip Kelly and UCLA is really one of those few spots where the marriage with DJ could really work. I think even dude maybe tcu could work too for dj i think that that one just came out of right field i don't know where that came from that's an interesting one yeah that just came off the dome but i don't think it would work very well at oregon state i think that i think that oregon state should be looking for someone a little more flashy and not not for someone that's truly a like dj's kind of in the Project realm of things right now. I think Oregon State needs a surefire dog at quarterback. And I don't think DJ would be that. How about Devin Leary? Devin Leary at Oregon State might be scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they could, if he could, if Devin Leary could bring a high quality receiver into the mix at Oregon State and they get an alpha one receiver and now you're cooking with. Leary, Damian Martinez, a high quality WR one, and that offensive line paired with a really strong defense and Jonathan Smith as the head coach, then that's frightening. Like this is just no, ain't no other podcast going to give you Pac twelve respect like we do. I don't know why Pac twelve was a top two conference this year, and it might not have been two. Oregon State gets into the mix there. And it's it's like that Leary and the legit WR one at Oregon State might be crazy. Yeah, I don't know I mean they bring in but like there's Ollie? a lot of transfer
1: guys out there in, in the portal man there's a lot of them I, I, I I've, I've said this already I think there's only a couple pieces that Oregon State needs and you know they've got some veteran receivers that are on the way out uh Luke musgrave the tight end is going to the draft I believe oh, um phew. and so they'll need to need to add some pieces there but damn, Devin Leary
0: to I, got me, it.
1: I he's he's the top quarterback in the portal
0: you got Leary at Oregon State state and you bring over texas a&m commerce receiver andrew armstrong six foot six beast and that's frightening that's the move dark. right there absolutely I, I think i think that's 100 percent what you do uh you want to give any other names for oregon state quarterback austin reed uh, i don't feel like it suits him well i don't think that's uh, yeah. his play. it's not i a, think he's it's not an more, air
1: raid i i don't yeah. think it's an you know, they're not in a position to be an air raid uh, that would tank Damian Martinez's stock incredibly, but he is a mobile quarterback to me. So I, I don't feel like he would need to be in an air raid pocket passer system to succeed.
0: Oh, so just so much stuff kind of under one. center though. I don't think, I don't know where Reed will play. Uh, I think I would have told you coastal's a potential spot until the Beck hire, Um I, I don't know, like slow on state for Reed kind of makes sense. That's a bit of a fit there. I'm I really not sure what happened. us at Oregon State. Uh, I don't have, think it
1: moves the needle, but I yes, don't think I it moves the experience. needle either. I
0: don't think it moves the needle either. Like I'd rather I don't know. Um I still I don't like the thought of Darius Wilson, but he still has football to play this week. He still can't enter the portal. He's still playing for William and Mary. Zoom, zoom. Um, I, I don't know. Andrewster brought this one up to another FCS guy, friend of the portal, Mark Granowski. Yeah, are we going to talk about FCS playoffs in the show at all? Eventually. The coaching and transfer stuff was just kind of so fun. I don't know, like I know. we haven't. I've only been talking Oregon State quarterback world. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about three teams. We've talked about Colorado,
1: Oregon State,
0: and, Kansas. <laughs> and ASU.
1: And ASU. So okay. yeah, we gotta we gotta
0: diversify it a little bit. All right, let us just find let's do that thing where we just find spots for players on. because I thought that that was a kind of fun idea. I'll just give you one and you let me know what you think and then you give me one. I'll let you know that I think. Sean Derek Powell, where are you saying the North Alabama running back? I feel like – well, I shouldn't
1: say I feel like. I know for a fact that his size is probably going to turn some folks off, which I hate. Five foot seven. I hate that he's he's going to get that against him, and he's an FCS guy. North Alabama didn't have a great year, but the, the numbers that that guy put up were nuts. He absolutely shattered North Alabama records. And he was phenomenal all season long. I think he was like top three, top five in the FCS in rushing. And they have a lot of amazing running backs uh, in the FCS. With that said, I feel like he deserves to be at a school who focuses on the run game. Because he's not Mm -hmm. so much a threat out of the backfield. So I feel like he's got to be a guy um, who has a stout offensive line and he can run between the tackles or outside because he can definitely do both. I still feel like Coastal needs a really good running back. And I feel like NC State has kind of that, you know, back and forth uh, balanced offensive tack that Tim Beck's probably going to bring there. So maybe Coastal is a good one. Liberty, Liberty is a
0: good one too. With Coastal, I think of Brayden Bennett because he was out all year. If he comes back as healthy, then they've got their due that running back.
1: Yeah. Um, is
0: Mitchell going to – is Keaton Mitchell going to the draft? I don't know, but one thing I wanted to do after this, after we threw a few players around, was throw out some players that we want to see in the portal, and he's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, if yeah. if he
1: goes to the portal or the draft, I don't remember if he's a uh, if he's eligible. Actually, that's one thing. He I need to is out.
0: eligible. I believe he's a redshirt sophomore.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, East Carolina could be one. Uh, Boise State could be another one because I think Holani is uh. is going
0: to be real good. The true Should freshman is like, real good too.
1: I don't know. I think uh, a really good Group of Five team um is probably the correct answer um i just want to see him thrive and get touches because he deserves it
0: yeah all man trying to find a spot for him is tough but like utsa maybe they didn't really have a true rb1 this year there were injuries and i i didn't feel like they truly had a top dog at Rhineback i feel like he'd fit in nicely I definitely think so. Um,
1: let me kick one to you. Um,
0: how about the coldest? What do you think the coldest Crawford? The coldest does? to ever do it. Uh, yeah. The coldest. That's to actually ever not do his middle it? name. It is now. I mean, I don't know. Um, I feel like I feel like I'll go SEC. I mean, we know he was an LSU dude at one point, but mm. I really don't know much about the coldest to truly give a fair thought here. I'll just say Ole Miss. He was the most hyped three-star guy
1: ever. Yeah, like I mean, with a name like that, and he was—he was really a a talented receiver coming out of high school. So the fact that he was a three-star really surprised me.
0: Um, but I—I—I I, I think I heard about you know, him more than Travis Hunter. Yeah, for real. Um oh I don't know I, the coldest bio just says W R at university of question mark.
1: Dude, there's so many kids that have exactly that. It's position at university of question marks. And it's like be original, would you? <laughs> um I don't know like Pac twelve. Cool, I, I feel like Pac 12 is is calling the coldest
0: name. I feel like maybe ASU. I don't know why. I th- I mean ASU is going to need a fun WR one, or maybe the Sun Belt. Go to go to ULL. Go back home, ish. He's from Louisiana. Don't go there. <laughs> don't go there if you're a receiver. I,
1: I feel like I feel like we could get. I know he's not as highly touted as he was, but for you college hoops guys out there, I feel like he's like an Imani Bates sort of thing, where he could be like at a really good program, uh, do nothing, and then go to like Eastern Michigan. Like, I feel like that's what's going to happen with the coldest. And Omani's doing work at Eastern Michigan, last I checked, but
0: I don't sometimes
1: know. he's taking like 26 shots a game. <laughs> I mean, what else do they have? But anyway, we're uh, with...
0: Noah on.
1: I I will fully be transparent. I don't watch Eastern Michigan.
0: Noah so... Farrakhan is dope. Um, I'll give you a receiver then. I'll give you a receiver as well. Dante Thornton.
1: Maryland. <laughs> i feel like he goes home i feel like he goes home
0: i like that
1: yeah i i felt that as soon as he hit the portal and i was told before he actually entered the portal that he was probably i was told during the season he was probably gonna be a guy that goes to the portal same with seven um seven mcgee so i i know he's got strong ties to maryland um put up a lot of numbers in high school in maryland I don't remember if Maryland was in the running from him out of high school because I think he had more power five uh, – not power five. Uh, he had, like, bigger programs that were after him because he was a pretty highly talented guy. But I feel like Maryland is going to draw him back. And I think Maryland's – that might not be the only really talented receiver that they get from the portal either.
0: Interesting. Yep. Um, I see where I'm... Yeah
1: well let's let's go with let's keep the receiver thing going because i know you really like this guy we've talked about him we've talked to him tyrese chambers where do you think he goes okay
0: if if i was in his shoes if, if i was in his shoes the place that i would be looking at is probably texas tech dependent on who their qb is next year because i, I think kitley was missing again, I'll say it, in Alpha WR1, I think Tyrese could be that way. He's not on a team that's inferior talent wise as getting triple teamed. I think Texas Tech is a very fair option. Heck, TCU is another one that I think would move the needle pretty well. You could just stay in the Big 12, like mm-hmm. Baylor maybe? Like ow, I, I think, I feel like there's a few Big 12 schools that make a lot of sense for Mr. Chambers maybe if you're looking at SMU i think works well too and they're, they're going to lose Rashi. i don't i don't know if uh Goffney's going to be the the elite wr1 that maybe they're hoping for and i think if you could bring in Chambers right away to fill that wr1 void when you lose Rashi, i think that that's a pretty good marriage they throw out an interesting one and he does have
1: an offer from them so it's not that um, you know, out of the blue, but UCF is kind of an interesting one with to me. With John Rice Plumley coming back, still got some good receivers. They lost Ryan O'Keefe to the portal. Feel like they might be in the hunt for a receiver, and I don't think he would get double triple teamed uh, out there at the bounce house. No, I, I, hopefully I like not. that fit. Yeah, I like that fit. They're going to be a power five team,
0: kind of yeah, soon. I don't hate so that one. I like it. What about like um, it? Tony Grimes? That one was kind of expected for me,
1: just because that North Carolina defense was not regarded highly. This may that's
0: being very nice. The,
1: <laughs> I don't want to absolutely trash him, but I, you know, the it's justified. This is kind of based on kind of bias, but I, I think Oregon is a phenomenal fit for Tony Grimes. I really, really, really think it is. Christian Gonzalez is going to the draft. Gonzalez was a guy that I was all over when he transferred from Colorado. I wrote a really long thing about how he's going to be the most important transfer for Oregon. Had a feeling he'd be a one and done, go to the draft, get his bag. They don't have a lot of proven guys at corner. Um, They've got a lot of young talent that gets you excited, but I think they need another veteran corner to come in. And Tony Grimes... I think could fit very well. Um, Ken play in man Um, is a playmaker. One of the few playmakers in that secondary for North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Still a lot of talent. I mean, he was a top 10 player in that class before he reclassified. Uh, So the talent's there. And I I think Oregon would be a really good spot for him. So let me put that out there.
0: All right. Give me one name and then I guess we could make game picks. All right. Let me give you. Cornelius,
1: Johnny Cornelius from Rhode Island. That dude, oh if you guys don't know about this guy, he's getting every offer imaginable. Like he might be the hottest name in the portal right now. So,
0: yeah, so I know he has like offers from everywhere. Oh man, let me figure this out. Um, let me see. 310. I want to see I just want to look at some of his offers. Um,
1: Oregon could be in play there too cuz their entire offensive line is graduating.
0: That's fair. Of course you give a they did potential offer. Oregon dude. Um I love seeing Northeast FCS dudes though up there in the Northeast, I'm saying, not the conference, get some legit power five offers like Jared First did. And the Johnny Cornelius is getting that. Yeah. He's from State, Harlem. Florida. I Alabama. Ooh. Why not Alabama? The, he, he surely has gotten, gotten an offer from there, right? Doesn't look like it yet. But okay, speaking yeah, it into word. existence, because we're seeing some Alabama guys leave for the portal and stuff. Why not? I think Alabama could use some help on the offensive line, especially after this year. Bryce was running for his life. He was getting hurt. That wasn't fun. You're probably looking at a new quarterback. Well, you are looking at a new quarterback in 2023. Guess what? Sorry, Alabama fans. Bryce Young ain't going to be there. I'm sorry, college football fans. That's not happening. So why not Cornelius to Alabama? That's a really good spot to develop as you're going into your junior year. So you're draft eligible now. I mean, how big is he again? Like 6'5", 3'10", like you're a behemoth. Alabama puts offensive linemen in the NFL time and time again. You're going to play SEC football, learn from the best. I think that's a fair fit. If I'm not allowed to say that, powerhouse, then (laughs) – oh, man. South Carolina maybe? Yeah. Florida. I feel like he's an SEC guy. It, yeah, I feel that way, too. Sorry, uh, Cal.
1: They <laughs> just hired a, a um, Texas State guy. Jake Spavadol. Yeah, thank
0: you. Which, which is See, a Texas hire State. that I don't hate. I kind of like the hire. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of set up for failure at Texas State, which is why I fear the whole Kenny thing. He set but... himself up for failure by not recruiting high school. But. Okay. it's open.
1: But how much success would they really have had? But again, one recruit is better than zero.
0: Yeah, all right, all right. That's enough coaching and transfer talk, I suppose. I'm sorry. There's more content, though. Just look at our website and all that fun stuff. We have game picks to make. There's FCS football, playoffs going on, real high-quality football. There's three games on national television. One of them's only on ESPN Plus, and it's, I hate to say it. The most exciting matchup of the SCS slate is on ESPN+. Doesn't make sense. And then there's Army-Navy, too. Uh, some say it's the best brand of football that there is, and some say it's the worst. True. I lean towards the latter. <laughs> oh,
1: Delirious. man. What
0: are we starting S- with? Sanford NDSU. Like, this is a high-level game. By the way, if you don't know the top eight seeds in the FCS advanced, boring, chalky, blah, blah, blah. So this is Sanford, is the sixth seed. They only lost to Georgia 33 nothing. Super impressive. Got one of my players to watch in yeah. the FCS this postseason, Mr. Flavors. It's like a five foot six, five foot seven DB, got an interception in their first game. They're playing Mighty NDSU, who Go to beat Arizona if it weren't for coaching failures at the end and in that fourth quarter. And, uh, yeah, blew their double-digit league at South Coast State. South Coast State's elite. And, yeah, it's Sanford NDSU. This is a slobber knocker on Friday.
1: Yeah, that, that Arizona game still befuddles me because that was the first time in college football history that a Power 5 team upset an FCS team. It's got to be. But uh good for Arizona. Good for Mr. Fish. Anywho, um. The performance that North Dakota State had last week was beyond impressive. Um, they ran the hell out of the ball. And Sanford has been extremely vulnerable against the run. They got torn up by Southeast Louisiana, gave up almost 400 yards in that game as well. I, now, I'm not going to say North Dakota State's going to put up 400 yards again, but I think if anybody in the FCS that's left is capable of putting up back-to-back 400-yard rushing games, it's probably North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Um Cam Miller has been a touchdown machine on the ground. Um, we already know what Lupke can do. Kobe Johnson. Um, Williams was doing Lippe work. Lupke's so... out. Lupke's out? Oh, damn! Out
0: for the year. Shoulder surgery. Going to miss the senior bowl. A dagger right through my heart. Heartbroken.
1: Dabber. Like Dabber. Anyway, I'm picking North Dakota State.
0: Yeah, I mean, North Dakota State's a 16 and a half point favorite for a reason, and I pick them to make the national championship game for a reason uh i think matt entz is just he, he's such a stellar coach and i don't think ndsu could have a much better coach than they have with him the offensive line play they're just gonna move you out the way it, it's great though it's very interesting with how well samford handled themselves against the sec trenches against georgia Only losing 33-0 to Georgia is super, super impressive. Yeah, they didn't score a point. What their defense was able to do is crazy, though. So I'm very eager to see how their front seven handles this NDSU offensive line, that them and South Coast, they have the best offensive line play in the country. So that's going to be interesting. Cody Malk, my ginger brother, friend of the portal. Dude is as good as advertised, if not better. Our very own Andrew Wilson was out there for their game last week and just couldn't have been more impressed with Malk. He's the best run-blocking tackle in the draft class. It's going to be a fun game. Make sure to watch that ESPN2 on on Friday. Also on Friday, William and Mary, Montana State. This game's on ESPN2 as well. Montana State is a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and – This is a battle between the 5C and the 4C. Like, I think that this is a toss-up. Yeah, this
1: was, to me, this was the only game where I went back and forth in the FCS playoffs. Um, I think I was pretty set on my other three. But I'm going to lean Montana State on this one just because their offense has been absolutely insane. Um, I know we talk about Incarnate Word's offense, South Dakota State's offense. Sacramento State, but Montana State's offense has done absolute work. They've scored at least, I think, at least 30 against every FCS team, 40 points in seven games. They've dropped 60, they've dropped 70. Um, And they do it with so many different guys. That's really, really impressive. Like when you look at their leaders, they don't blow you away. Nobody's really putting up insane numbers for them, but it's a really collective attack. And I think they're sound. They're sound defensively, they're sound on special teams. I think they're just a better team. And uh as much as I like Darius Wilson, I like William and Mary. Um, I feel like if Montana State gets a turnover, it's lights out because William and Mary has really? been fumble prone. Um, and Montana State will just capitalize off of turnovers. Like that's what they've done all year. So I I think I like the podcast in this one.
0: Yeah. Montana State gang Isaiah Fonzie back the best running back in the FCS is massive he's missed the entire year due to injury unfortunately he's back now significant what Tommy Malott does though their quarterback what he's able to do with his feet every single week that that scares me I'll say it. I'm gonna go with the upset, though. I'm gonna go with William and Mary. Like, I truly believe that this game is a toss-up, and... I just think that this William & Mary offense could be tough to defend. It's not like the coastal triple option concept, but there's a lot of fast-moving parts here, a lot of motion, a lot of triple option looks that they'll give. I think that could really give a defense some hurt, especially when they probably haven't seen it much all season. And Darius Wilson, the lefty quarterback from the Bronx at William & Mary, I'm going to keep talking him up every single chance I could get because I truly believe that this guy – needs to enter the portal when his season is over. Hopefully for him, it ends at a national championship. He needs to enter the portal, and he needs to go out somewhere in the FBS where he could throw out some NFL or CFL quality tape because he is good enough to play in the pros. I believe he's just a sophomore. He's got dual threat ability. I think one thing he does need to work on is his throw power. I don't think his throw power is that desirable, but he still has such great touch on his throws. I think he's really good in the pocket. I love the way they navigates. I think he's a stellar watch. I'm excited to see what he could do on Friday night, national television. There could be Darius Wilson fans everywhere. There could be 20 of us. Yeah. incarnate Word, Sacramento State. Yeah, that's next. This is like the best game, and it's on ESPN Plus. It's on Friday night, 7.30pm Pacific, this late night. Big sky after dark. incarnate Word, Sacramento State. (laughs) The heavy hitter sax state spared by six and a half to 12 and 0 this year
1: yeah i mean incarnate word has been my absolute favorite team to watch in the fcs this year um particularly because of the story of lindsey scott jr who i had the chance to interview on the transportal cfb i believe that was a month or two ago um if you don't know about this guy learn about him because this kid is an absolute star. He is in his, I believe, seventh season at his six oh, different schools. Say in
0: his duffel bag. Oh, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, he's doing. I mean, fifty-five touchdown passes. Are you kidding me? He is doing some crazy things out there. But yeah, he started his college career back in 2016 at LSU. Also spent time at Independence. <laughs> um, or sorry, not Independence, East Mississippi uh, Community College. Won a Natty there. Um, it was that no Missouri. Was that Nichols? Now is that Incarnate Word, and is just doing unbelievable things. And I'm sure you guys saw what Lindsey Scott Jr. did on Saturday, where he's a fadeaway touchdown. It reminded me of when Aaron Rodgers was getting dragged down and threw a touchdown against the Jaguars in just an insane spot. The receiving core for Incarnate Word is unbelievable. I feel like if anybody's going to take down Sacramento State, this is the team to do it. I uh, like Incarnate Word on the road.
0: Yeah, I also like Incarnate Word and Drewster and I somehow, some way, the night before we did our FCS playoff prediction video, he DMs me. He's like, "Dude, there's no way you're like we're gonna have even close to the same brackets. Like, we had the same Final Four. It was all so similar. We both had Incarnate Word again here. I had Richmond beating Sac State last week though, and that was an opportunity squandered by the spiders. I don't think Sac State." could keep playing these close games and keep gang away with it. The Incarnate Word offense is very hard to keep up with. I mean, yeah, it's Nevada, but that's a road game and you're an FCS team and your second game of the season. You put 55 on their dome. That's that says a lot. There's lone losses to the Southeast Louisiana team that could have really probably should have beat Samford in OT last week if it wasn't for some weird bounces. This Incarnate Word team is ridiculous. Like, they could they could put 50 up in this game, and we're not going to be surprised. They could put be, they could put 70 up, and we're like, yeah, we know that they're capable of that. Did you think that we were caught off guard? No. I think that this is the kind of game that Incarnate Word could win, like 45 to, to 41. I think that this is the kind of score that we're going to get. Darian Chafin, their WR1, stud.
1: Here's, here's the thing, though. Lindsey Scott Jr. needs to clean up, and this is crazy because, you know, he wasn't doing this all year, but there are a couple of interceptions, a couple of decisions that he had last week that he cannot make. And Incarnate Word probably should have lost that game last week because oh, some yeah. of those decisions defensively, they weren't very sound either. They needed some absolute heroics from Lindsey Scott and uh, and Darian Chafin and, and Taylor Grimes, I believe, um, was the guy that caught the the touchdown at the end of the game. Um, they, they needed a They need every bit of that offensive production from Scott at the end of the game to win that one. And I don't think you can fall behind against Sacramento state, make early mistakes and come back against that team. I really don't think you can. I think you gotta, you know, come out on fire. You gotta get an early lead. you got to get an offensive rhythm and you gotta get stops because Sacramento mm-hmm. state, as much as we've talked about in current words, offense, Sacramento State's offense is very sound too. And like Montana State, they do it with a lot of different guys as well. Uh, Cameron Scatterbow is a guy name. Like Scatterbow is an absolute dog. Um,
0: Jerome Badis is O'Hara. a
1: fan of Scatterbow's. That says it all. And you should be too. And Asher O'Hara, the dude is unreal when it comes to being inside hey. the 10 yard line. Like that dude will jump from Mars and get into the end zone. The dude is unreal. Man, I bet MTSU would
0: is they still had
1: Asher. Cunningham did fine, but yeah, Ash O'Hara is a is another level of athletic quarterback that you just hardly he's a
0: see. Human highlight reel, and it's like he's posterizing dudes every week, and he's playing yeah. football. So Patrick Mahomes made... took some uh took some
1: inspiration from Ash O'Hara trying to trying to dunk on that dude against the Bengals and get the get the touchdown. I'm like, wow, he he's really trying to be Ash O'Hara. Look at him, so inspirational. So inspirational.
0: Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was definitely not planned. Uh, the the other thing here with Incarnate Word is just their big play hitting ability. That's scary. And, yeah, you, you talk about getting out to an early lead. Richmond got out. They sprinted out the gates, and they weren't able to hold on to it. I thought that they played a really good game, but Sac State was just better as the game got on. It's like it's 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 that boxing match that you know is going to go to the final round. And, I don't know, I guess I am not a boxing guy. By guess that when an underdog gets out to an early lead in the boxing match the favorite just tends to just stack up the rounds at some point and that's what Sac state does probably not the best for a non-boxing guy to do a boxing kind of comparison there with words but i did it hope everyone's proud of be Scatable, scary though man but the total here is seventy-five 75 and a half like these offenses are going to light it up Maybe 45-41 five, forty one wasn't enough points. Let's shoot for a hundred, fellas.
1: Yeah, this this is eas- I'm not gonna say easily, but this could be one of those scores that actually like makes ESPN Breaks and Sports Center. Yeah, like if they actually take notice. Like, hey, that's crazy. It could be like it could easily be something like sixty seven to sixty four. Like, I, I feel like it could get that crazy. Um, yeah. the defense, the defense of Sacramento State has been good. So I, I honestly think that I trust their defense better than I would Incarnate Words. Um, but I trust Incarnate Words' offense over Sacramento State. So it's it's gonna be a really interesting contrast. Slobberknocker, yeah, that's all the FCS is apparently, in it's the, full in the of mind of slobberknockers.
0: And at some point, a top seed has to go down. Sorry, Sack State. Well, I'm sorry. We love Big Sky football. And uh, also, I, it's also a shame that this game is on ESPN Plus because I think I it was so unique when Sac State had their game against Montana on ESPN 2 this year. And the environment was electric. I believe that was the first ever sellout at Sac State. Like, this program has been in the dumps. And they're up here at the pinnacle now. And that was like a sellout, and they were rushing the field after. And I just wish that a playoff game at Sac State could have got national attention on that Friday night. And, I mean, the environment would have been extraordinary to see on ESPN2 uh, or ESPN or ESPNU or whatever news or the show, like, that's what. That's why FCS football doesn't get so much respect because it's not national TV enough and environments like this are going to be showcased on the plus. That's sad. And you know what ESPN's
1: playing on Friday night is Lakers 76ers and Bucks Mavericks. Like, who cares about the NBA, man? Give me Lindsey Scott Jr. and Asher O'Hara. Give me Darian Chaffin and Cameron Scatabow. Come on, man. What are we doing out here? Who wants Giannis and Luca? Who wants LeBron and Embiid?
0: I couldn't tell you one player on any of those four teams, but I could tell you about Ladarius Wilson and Latami Mellet and Lindsey Scott Jr. Like, these guys are dogs, and they need the stage. Uh, Saturday, though, there's one FCS game. It's very odd how they went with a 3-1 split. Maybe it's because of Heisman stuff, but it's also like, yo – Maybe you should have just taken one of these games and put it on the Saturday for a doubleheader, and that way they're all on national TV. I guess it's not smart, though. I guess we're not marketing geniuses. This is undefeated Holy Cross. who's They beat Buffalo, many might recall, off the Holy Hail Mary, and you have 11-1 South Dakota State, who if it were not for a barrage of injuries would have beat Iowa.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really hard to pick against South Dakota State, given the way that they're playing on both sides of the ball right now. I mean, defensively, you're not going to find um, any better defense really outside of Jackson, Mississippi. Um, I like South Dakota State in this one. However, I do think Holy Cross will probably keep it close early, and then I think South Dakota State will probably run away with it later in the second half. But, yeah, don't sleep on this Holy Cross team, because that is a damn good team.
0: Yeah, I think that Matthew Luke is a really good quarterback. I think that this game could be close because South Coast State will tend look, South Dakota State and North Dakota State this year have just tended to play a bit closer than maybe some games should have suggested. So I could see that happening again. But like I love South Coast State. I, I, They still don't have Adam Bach at linebacker. I'm not sure if he's going to play this week or not, but that's an NFL linebacker without a doubt. They have a nasty front seven on defense, a really good secondary. The Yankee twins at receiver, Isaiah Davis, is the top two running back in the country. Gronowski's a stud. Tucker Kraft at, at tight end is finally healthy and balling out. Like This is just a team that has too many dudes, and it's, I mean, hey, the seven to three Iowa result where there wasn't a touchdown in the game could South Dakota state could have maybe legit competed in the big 10 West this year and like put up a fight and maybe got to Indy and played in the big 10 championship knowing how that garbage division went. Like I think South Dakota state just has so many high level FBS players at the FCS school. And that's kind of what people are used to with North Dakota state, but I, I like South Dakota State. I'll give like a a 30 a 31 to 16 kind of score. I think I think that's still very respectable for Holy Cross. I know it's not what their offense wants, but I, I feel like with South Dakota State's ball control and, and just run game, that they don't want Holy Cross to have the ball very much. And when they do, I think it's gonna be tough to move on them. On the Jacks, so 31-16 I'll go with.
1: The one thing that I think will be a really important X factor is how South Dakota State will go about containing Matthew Sloka because the guy's a quarterback and he rushed for over a 1,000 yards. And mm. I don't really think – I might be wrong in this, but I don't really think South Dakota State has really played a dual Aside threat from quarterback. Like yeah, but Cam Miller didn't even run in that game. He was – I think he ran like eight they times would, in that game. They would,
0: I, I'm blanking on the backup quarterback's name on NDSU. I don't know why I can't think of his name. But he, he came in a decent bit in that game to run the ball. And they played it a little too cute when the NDSU was up double digits and the backup came in. I don't, I don't know why I can't think of his name, but he came in and, like, everyone's expecting run and, they like, called a pass and he threw a pick inside the 15. Oh, and, like, momentum uh, completely shifted.
1: Yeah, Peyton. I don't remember. First, okay, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Sluka has been consistently running against essentially everybody in the country. Um, you know, there have been a number of games where he's gone well over a hundred. I the Fordham game, I know he was running on them like crazy when that game went to overtime. He was going off. So soka's athleticism is gonna be a huge X factor in this game. And Again, we've talked about how much talent there is in production. There is on South Dakota State's team. But Sluka has been a guy who can kind of not single-handedly do it because they have a lot of talented receivers. um, But he's a guy that can take over um, with his arm or with his legs. And I I think if they're going to win, he's going to have to have probably 300 passing yards, 100 rushing yards. Like he's going to have to go nuts in order to keep them in this game and to somehow win this game on the road. Yeah, he,
0: he's gonna have to go bonkers against uh, one of the best defenses in the country, uh in FCS. And Sluka, you are a ginger man, so you, you could put on for 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 our people, but I am ruined for the Jacks. And that'll take us to Army Navy.
1: Well, it's I that's fun. <laughs> yeah, we kind of went from here to uh but, uh, you know, I, I will never pick against Navy in this game because um, my, my dad served in the Navy. My grandfather served in the Navy. Um, I I can't pick against Navy. But uh, they are they haven't played in a month. Like, that, that's, the last time they played was when they upset UCF. And that was November, <laughs> uh, October so 20-something, November, or November, like, 19th or 20th <laughs> or something like that. That was a long time ago. Um, and Army, the thing that's so weird about Army is when they win – their offense puts up forty something points, and when they lose, they're hardly scoring. So I think there's kind of a kind of a key to the game there. Hey, if you're Army and you want to win this game, score some points; it'll do you some good. And if you don't, you don't have the defense apparently to do it. They've they've been in really close, low scoring games that they just don't win. Like the I think it was against Troy, um, they just yes. they just can't win if they, they don't score. It.
0: I'm yeah. on the upside, field. So they blew it. I'll. Um... I'm also gonna take Navy, but I don't think either team is particularly very good. And um, I'm going to pick Navy because uh, while I might not be a space guy, I thought that their uniforms for this game are pretty interesting, and the helmets with the astronaut are pretty cool. And that's why I could give you all the FCS insight I wish, but this is the insight that you're getting from me for Army, Navy, it's just, it's, it's not my favorite brand of football watching. Like, I, I I don't know. I like watching, you know, the fourth quarter of this game when it's close and everything, but like, and I will, yeah, of course I'll watch it with sound and everything, but it's like, this just this game doesn't move the needle for me I'm sorry I know haters are gonna hate for that because this is like America's game and everything give me Navy because they have an astronaut on their helmet and give me a true American score of like we were Americans were so many Americans were acting like they liked the World Cup so much like they don't like soccer at any other point in your life but you like it now so give us a World Cup score of six to three you know my uh I showed I my dad that-, that much in soccer. I have no idea. You're asking the wrong guy. But fine. Give me a Navy win. Twelve to nine.
1: Ugh. Oh man. Um, well, you know what it's funny? I showed my dad the uh the navy uniforms for this week and he's like, Why are they space related for the navy? And I was like, I don't know, because my my dad, when he was in the navy, he was on a ship out on the sea all the time. And so, like, the space thing didn't make a lot of sense of it, to it. T- turns out the Navy actually does quite a bit of space research. So it kind of makes oh, sense. Word? more More than I thought. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I had to look into it. But they do, yeah, they do uh, some work with the space stuff. So that's that's cool. It's not totally out of this world.
0: Uh-huh. Go Navy, Slopper. beat space. Oh, gosh, I didn't even realize you made that joke. Oof.
1: We can get in on the pod. We had to we had to deliver at least one pun. We not take the under. Yeah, man. They're gonna take they're the gonna under, go over. I swear it? to god, they're gonna go. I swear they're gonna they're gonna go over. I swear to like you. Two
0: and a half. Which is crazy. So probably not. <laughs> wow. Well, my 12-9 score doesn't look so good if the game is going over. Yeah. A 19-16 kind of stock that came score. in my mind too <laughs> but i i just want less points there's so much good college basketball on that saturday it's pretty frightening i feel like this is like a
1: like a two-point
0: conversion off kind of game there's like a two over oh 10, three over gosh game. it's a good time to end this <laughs> unless wait it was fun. we got no we gotta go back we gotta do one more each um Holly Jennings.
1: Hmm. Well, hang on. You got some breaking news. Hang on a minute. Jim Leonard not returning to Wisconsin following the bowl game.
0: What? Yeah.
1: Breaking news, y'all. Anywho, Josiah Stewart got an offer from Virginia Tech. Oh, Dorian Singer got an offer from Oregon. Please make it happen, Dan Lanning. Wait, that's. Sorry.
0: Wait. No, the Jim Leonard thing's crazy. I would have. I would have thought he's just going to be a lifer there at this point, but. I mean, i don't. What... Anyhow, who did you say? <laughs> well, I, I Jim, Jim Leonard, like, that, geez, if I'm sincey, I wish I waited a little longer and heard this news. Oh, yeah. No kidding. There's a lot of the program. I, I'm maybe Leonard just makes a jump to dc in the nfl but we're a college football podcast so thinking of where he could go in the college football world is kind of fun Mm. yeah um i think
1: the offer one of the offers that ollie jennings got yesterday really stuck in my head washington state that's what Andrew
0: trickster keeps saying
1: incredible oh has he okay yeah. I have fully immersed myself with the Andrewster state of mind, apparently. Clearly. Um, no, I mean, the Colorado one's enticing. You, you said Duke in your article. I like that a lot too. Mississippi state's an interesting one. That was his first offer, or at least the first one he posted. Um, I don't know, man, the Washington state one was really interesting because I, I, I think the right receivers, the receivers were a little more underwhelming than I was anticipating they were <laughs> going to be. Um, you know, Donovan Ollie's in the portal now, Deshaun Sterbling's in the portal now. Um, they're in they're in need of some receivers. I think Ollie Jennings is a great fit and he should be a wide receiver one right away.
0: I I, I really like that fit a lot. I thought about running it there, but I was thinking maybe West Virginia, he's a Virginia kid. He went to West Virginia, They went to Old Dominion. Maybe he's just gonna stay around there. I I know it's Duke that I picked and everything, but at least regionally, it's kind of close, but if you went to Wazoo, I'd be thrilled for him. All right, you I give mean, me I one name. I don't know if the regional thing is
1: as Something, big yeah. of a of a factor as it used to be. Might um, not be, but it it still still kind of makes sense. I totally get it. Um, what we've talked about coastal a bunch, so let's let's finish with some coastal. Josiah store.
0: Josiah uh, you want me to pick where Josiah Stor's gonna end up? And I say. Wait, what was the offer he's got Virginia Tech? Oh yeah, God. that
1: was one I just
0: saw. He is. He's from the same high school as Isaiah Likely Everett, or I think he it's Michigan. I know. Also got Michigan. Yeah, Michigan offer. All right, so he's mm-hmm. gonna get whatever the heck he wants. Um. Oh man. I that you get with him and Cornelius, you gave me ones that I actually need to think so hard to figure out where they could go. So give me a second, while I it quickly analyze on the fly what the best spot for Josiah Stort could be. If he got Michigan, he got Virginia Tech. Let me just um, him and Michigan would oh, be nasty, dude. If Dabo ain't it, though, Dabo's not it with the portal, but if Dabo opened up the portal and said, hey, Josiah, it's time. Oh, Florida State. I'll go Florida State. I love what they did with Jared Verse, and I think Verse is as good as gone. He might not be. He might stay. I think that'd be in whatever decision. I think he could be a first-round pick if he leaves this year. Why not Florida State for Josiah? We we saw quickly how dominant Jared Verse was coming out of Albany, off the edge of Florida State. Josiah Stewart's another guy. He's more versatile. He'll play around on different spots on defense. But if this is someone that you want to be an edge rusher, let's roll with it, Florida State. He's got power and speed and swiftness. I like that a lot. We
1: we can be the very first to report, because it literally just popped up a second ago. Josiah Stewart's been offered by West Virginia.
0: Okay, well, that's not – I thought you were going to say Florida State. That would have been sick. (laughs)
1: I would have have walked out of here if that just popped up. No, I didn't even refresh it. It literally just refreshed on its own, and he got West Virginia. So they're starting to roll in for Josiah.
0: It's very promising to see a lot of these guys at the group of five level who didn't even have, like, ideal – 2022 season still get so many great offers like it just goes to show that the scouting there from a lot of power fives is real and they're really figuring it out with the resources and stuff they should but it's not really just a look at the stars or the stats thing most recently they're really really factoring in things here and that's great and for all the people that hang on the transfer portal you're tripping these are life-changing offers like for these kids like you like a guy like josiah store if he stays at Coastal and puts up another solid year. Let's just say he's a fourth-round pick, whereas if he went to Florida State, he could work himself up into a late first or a second-round pick. Think of the money difference there and how he's setting up his families for generations to come. You're tripping if you hate the portal. It's good stuff. Yeah, man.
1: We're doing work out here, y'all. What do we have now? 8 million followers in the last Oh, 48 I thought you hours? 8
0: million names in the portal.
1: Oh that too. Yeah, no yeah. there's uh the population of Cuba is in the portal right now. All
0: right. Um
1: yeah, we have 8,847 followers y'all and growing. So Crazy. just a just a quick shout out. If y'all aren't familiar with our content and you're somehow listening to our podcast, first of all, thank you. But uh f- make sure to give all of our content love, all our writers contributors love. We do work all day every day. And uh stay tuned tomorrow we're announcing the Colt Brennan award winner can this. Wow. Bye. I'm sorry, you tried to throw it in.
0: Oh, oh, bye. Make sure to like and subscribe and stuff. That's cool. Thanks. Bye. bye.